Like Jesus, your Lord and Savior. And you're listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network. How you love that? You are listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network. Featuring Pod of Thrones and... The Shiznit. This is the Red Rock Podcast Network. From Red Rock Studios in Los Angeles, California, this is the Shiznit. Now, put your hands together for the Shiznit. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Shiznit Show. I am your host, your boy, Dino Red. And as you guys know, I don't do this show all by my lonely. I have with me my ride or die, Miss Dejan Monique. Hey, hey, hey. You already know. <laughs> what's up, world? It's your girl. What's up, baby girl? Hey, hey, hey. What's up, Dino? Hey, you know what? No pip today. I was going to say, I'm missing some chocolate and some dreads in my life. Where are you at? <laughs> pip made a mistake and he his scheduling conflicted and something he made some sort of business Snap thing food. that he forgot about and yeah even though we like kind of cleared the dates and all that stuff but he totally forgot about it oh wow he did it like months ago or something so Boo. no pip today no pip today but we do have two great guests today what and one of them is a good friend of pips and used to do a show with pip that's oh, tony wow. santiago he's going to be sitting in and kind of uh you know Kind of pulling up the slack for Pip. Awesome. I'm very excited for that. And then we've been telling you guys for a couple of weeks about mm-hmm. our man Eli Steele. Yes. Is going to be is in the house today. And yes. he will be telling us all about his film, how Jack became black, yes. and all about identity politics, and telling us about his story. It's all great. So we got a really, I'm really big show. I'm super excited. I'm totally here for both of our guests, and I can't wait to speak with them. And. What? And more. It, more. Oh my God. More, right? Uh, okay, as if that's not enough. <laughs> Today, we are live. Yeah. Yeah. We are live, live. So, shout yes. out to Perspicuous Media mm-hmm. and Entertainment. Shout out to Khalil DeBerry. Uh, he is the CEO and president of, of that company, and uh, they have a streaming radio mm-hmm. station on TuneIn. So, yes. you can listen to the Shitness Show live via TuneIn mm-hmm. or. All the old ways that you used to listen to it, you can still listen to it. We're still available those ways. But just in addition to that, for the new year, we're trying to bring you guys something new. Yes, new year, new station. Right, new shit. New new, year, new shit. New shit, isn't it? That's what I'm talking about right there. Yes, thank you. Thank you to our perspicuous and our tuned-in family. We're so grateful to be a part of it with you guys. Okay, so we're not going to waste any time because we got a big show planned to let you guys know. We won't have the traditional format that the Shizna Show um, follows. Today is going to be all about our guests and the commentary and the documentary and chopping up this this very deep topic. Mm-hmm. So um, just hang on, sit back, and relax, and we're going to welcome, welcome in our guests with uh, the theme music. What's up, 
Okay, so first, first we have Mr. Tony Santiago. Excellent, hey. Santiago. Did I say it wrong? Yeah, you did. What did I say? <laughs> I don't know what you said, but it's, it, it, it's wrong. Whatever you said is wrong. <laughs> okay, I thought I said Tony Santiago. I thought I said that. Nah, I didn't say that. Close okay. enough. Close enough. Uh, you still, he still said it wrong a second time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Wait a minute. You got to have that kind of I emphasis think it's just on the that. Way that Tiago. Yeah. Santiago. There you go. So you're just being a dick. There you go. Santiago. <laughs> you got it right. You got it right. Santiago. Excuse me. It all depends on what coast you're in. Still getting over that cold. So, uh, Mr. Tony Santiago. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little, tell the people a little bit of something about yourself. And, all right. Um, well, first of all, I never had my own guest intro song, so thank you very much for that. I right. appreciate that. That's, that. That feels good. It's been a while since I've been in the podcast game. That's right. So, uh, so what about myself? So, uh, let's see. I'm a TV editor living in Los Angeles now for uh, over 20 years. I came out here from the East Coast. And uh, I came out here to uh, uh, mix and record music, awesome. mm-hmm. and I ended up editing TV. Awesome. So uh, not too far of a transition there, but uh, that's how I ended up. And I uh, did the podcasting thing for a couple of years. I was on Langdon Nation for five years. Oh, wow. And that's how you met our... Uh, that's how I met Mr. Pip Lily. The great hey. Pip Lily. And, uh, and that's how you met me. That awesome. is correct. No, that's right, because we were uh, on the same network. We did T-Radio T- V together. And, uh, yeah, so at one time, I mean, at the height of Langdon Nation, we had three different shows going on. Dang. We had our own podcast that we did weekly, and then we had a KCAA show on AM radio. We right. were doing that, mm-hmm. which was very interesting because we had to basically scale down our fucks and our this and Everything. our that. Right, and, you know, right. Like, and that yeah. was very difficult, for us, especially for Mr. Langdon Bolsar. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we did that show, and actually th- that, those ended up being some of our best shows just oh, because wow. we had to scale it down. We had to make sure it was an hour you know, even. Mm-hmm. It was right. live, so you know, we weren't, no messing around like this is live. Wow, no messes. <laughs> Don't Watch out. <laughs> the pressure is on. Don't stutter. <laughs> um, but basically, that's uh, that, that's it. So I did that for five years, and then you know, we just kind of like gave it up. We were trying to like do something with it and try to make money. You guys know how hard mm. this is, you know, to try and even make a, a penny doing this kind of stuff, yeah. right? You know, so I think it just out of sheer exhaustion, we just kind of you know hung up our heels and said like we gave it five years. You know, yeah. we gave it our yeah. best, and you know we had a great time doing it. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, though, it just got to the point where it just wasn't that much fun anymore. You know? Right? It, yeah. becomes, it becomes more of a chore. You're giving mm-hmm. up your weekends to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys know how it is. Yeah, and, then and sometimes the personnel because you guys had a big cast and you guys, yeah. guys had kind of a ro- revolving door of, of yeah. cast members. Yeah. Wow, you guys went through a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah, in your five I, years. I made the joke on the last show. I said like, it, it's time, it's time for us to go. It's like it, it started becoming like the the band Menudo. Was like every, <laughs> every other week there was like a new member of the, you know the cast. You know, we had like a we had a pretty solid cast at first, for like the first couple of years, and then you know as, as anything happens, Just life happens. You guys yeah. are like the uh, people the, move the away. Law and, and, the Law and Order of uh, not Law and Order, but uh, yeah, Law and Order of, of podcast. Like, yeah, yeah. None of the original members are still They're there, there when it, right. by the time it ends. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it ended up just being me, Michael Rudd, and Langdon at the very end. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was a good long run. We had, a, you know, we had, was. we had fun. You know, we had fun with that show. I learned a lot of stuff mm-hmm. about, you know, different people and different cultures I probably would have never really known well, about, before, you know. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, it was just a really eye opener. You know, you had a lot of growth on there. You know, I got really good with the mixing board. You know, oh, I was cool. doing the mixing yeah. board and being a cast member at the same time. So it was, yeah. always had to be on, you know. So yeah, I'm doing yeah. stuff. I'm doing sound effects. I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. to you know get into mm-hmm. the conversation at the same time. So very challenging, but uh, it, it was uh, definitely worth it because uh, you know yeah. Shout out to Kristen and Mark too because they're part of that whole yeah circle oh, yes. where we are. They were definitely uh, yeah, especially Krista. Krista was definitely a, um, a, a huge part of that show, and we awesome. had some yeah. of our best shows Friends with her. Ours. Yeah, 
and then Langdon and Krista had a, a show that they did together as yeah. well. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. We've all we've all been in some kind of podcast bed together, yeah. right? <laughs> of some kind, rolling around, shacked up on the pod- podcast <laughs> orgy. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's a dysfunctional podcast family. Right. We're Once all you sleeping in, around. In. It's like a, it's like a novella, you know. Right. It's just like you you get all the the the, the, the behaviors and all the different personalities and the, yeah, just and pass it around. Puff, yeah, puff pass. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think one person dies and they come back <laughs> yeah, the next season exactly. to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys ready to uh, introduce our our man of the hour? Yeah. All right, yes. Mr. Eli Steele. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for thank you for gracing us with your presence. We really appreciate it. Yes, You're a very do. talented individual, and very honored to have you here. Yes, thank so, you for coming, Eli. Please, um, why don't you start off by telling us uh, your story? Okay, um, well, usually, um, because we're on uh, a podcast, radio, I'll probably start off with my most um, obvious trait, my uh, death action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people wonder, well, why are you sound so different? Or, <laughs> What's that accent? <laughs> Where's he from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially because you, um, you, know, you can't see my um, cooking plant. Um, right. Which is on the my head. Um, but no, I was born um, profoundly deaf. Um, 95 DB uh, hearing loss in both um, ears. Um, wow. We don't know why. Uh, nobody else in my family is there. Although it's a little bit of a, um, an interesting thing because we can't go back that far in my family because of new slavery uh. and the Holocaust. So we don't know if there was yeah. something down the line. But A question. You, you mentioned 95 DB hearing loss. Now, to give us a, a base reference, because... I don't really know. I mean, I know what I know what that means, but I don't really have a perspective for that. What's 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 normal or what's average? Oh, she's. Um, well, I mean, it has a range of like you know zero to um, I think about one hundred ten. Okay. So profound is in the ninety five range. Stone depth is the bottom, of course. But stone depth usually means that you have a misty. Hard, like you have a misty eardrum. Mm. You have something that yeah, will not allow you to hear. Yeah. Okay. yeah, basically, in the um, I have what's called a neurosensorial hearing loss, mm-hmm. which means that the um, the hair fibers in the cochlea mm-hmm. are misty. Mm. So without that, it can't move the sound into the brain. So yeah. that's what the cochlear implant does. It puts the elect- um, a, uh, electro into the cochlea. And it stimulates the cochlea um, from the high to the low frequency uh, okay. electronically. That's incredible. Yeah, yes. Uh, I don't know how my parents um, did it. Um, because when I got turned on, I'm not surprised they usually turn right. you on. And um, I saw the difference between this, the cochlea implant and the hearing aids. Mm. And the hearing aids were maybe... 10% wow. of what I hear now. So wow. I don't know how my teachers or how my parents... We're doing it before. Yeah, because you basically think your child. They had no hearing. Yeah. And so, teach him how to speak. So that device that you have, that helps you hear 10% more than you, than you could normally hear? No, no, no. That was hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Oh, without... Oh. So that was just just the basic aids. hearing aids. Oh, okay, gotcha. How low the hearing aids were, and I got this when I was 25. Wow. So I went 25 years. Wow. With well, how how much does it help? This, I would probably say that this lifted up from 10% to about 85%. Really? Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I think it's like going from a pinto to a full <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That is yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, that must have been very emotional when you were able to hear that much all of a sudden, right? It was interesting because, you know, you see those um, YouTube videos. Yeah. Yes. Down, the uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah. Not you. That, that was not me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not me. No, it was part of it. was like, oh, you know, wow. Like, how much I was missing. It was that mm. moment. It was like, oh, and also um, how much work I had to do. Mm-hmm. Because I knew at that moment that my old world is down. If you have normal hearing, then you have the hearing aid. Mm-hmm. Then you have the cooking implant. Mm-hmm. You think that there should be similarities between the three. Nope. No. No. So I was like, oh, crap, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I really just have to get my um, auditory memory. Oh. Right. Completely. Yeah. Because so, everything's different. Yeah, and so my name, my mother called my name. Didn't I mean, recognize I, you know, it. Right. So that's like a guy new name, yeah. a guy knew everything. I mean, everything was different. Everything so you basically different. have to learn English, right? Because... When you couldn't, you know, when you can't hear English, you don't know what it sounds like. So you didn't know what English was. Yes, sure, I had it. Because you have to remember, well, not remember, but uh, one thing you have to know is that with the hearing aids, another part of the hearing loss, we use the um, 95 dB, it's usually that you can hear the low frequency. Mm. But when it starts to get into the mid-low, it starts to drop even more to oblivion, basically. So I never heard the consonant. Ah, so oh. yeah, so it would be like I used this example of if they uh, the dog ran over there, it would be more like eh, oh ah uh, oh ah and only vowels. So that's yeah. where the lip reading comes in, right? Where your brain, and but what's what's amazing though is how powerful your brain is. Oh yeah. Yes. So even though I knew I was misty everything for the first twenty five years of my life, my brain was overcompensated by. Mm-hmm. Right. Billy in the brain. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. The, the, the brain is amazing at that. Amazing at that. I didn't I didn't realize until maybe like a few years ago that I don't actually know what a lot of people I know. I don't actually know what they look like because I don't see them close enough to actually see them. Mm-hmm. But when I go to work or whatever, I see them and I say hello, whatever. And I think I know what they look like. But then I see that same person away from work like maybe at uh just out on the street somewhere and i don't recognize them Mm -hmm. because it's all about context you know and my mind knows okay this person you know that's this shape and that height this complexion whatever at my job is that person is is is, is jane doe right right but when i go to the supermarket my brain doesn't know that's jane doe and i don't recognize that person Mm -hmm. and i for a long time i didn't understand that like why don't i know and then I realized it's like I don't really know what people look mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. it's 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 amazing. It is amazing. It's so I had amazing. That same problem before. But you, yeah, yeah, you're right. The the contest matters. That's like if you change yeah. the steps on me, I have to play catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know because um, I'm my brain is literally like you said, it's focused on that shippy world and it's building all the blanks. Okay, it could be this, it could be that, it could be that. Right. <laughs> you change the contest. Uh-huh. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, what's the new wall? And then mm. you, yeah. have to, you have to build in the, all, all the blanks. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah, incredible. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so tell us about how you became Eli Steele, the Man of Steel filmmaker, and 
the and incredible I'm, documentary filmmaker uh, that you are. <laughs> no, after the um, yeah, it was my first. Um, I started off in documentaries um, and then moved into the um, independent uh, film world, which is run been in for almost 20 years, just odd jobs here and there, never quite make it. And then um, about 10 years ago, I did an um, independent film, um, uh, Rush Buggy's Death, and um, that did well, won about 10 film festivals. Um, uh-huh. But it came around like the, uh, it came during an awkward period where Hollywood was moving away from the independent film mm. into more of the, um, what do you call it, the... Um, the docu style, or well, no, they were just remaking everything. They were just remaking oh, yeah. uh, the money, a resurgence in the other direction. Um, and uh, and I, I always knew that wanting should be more in the um, the independent. Yeah, just tell my own story. It was not about the money. It was not. It should be more about mm-hmm. pursuing my own uh, vision. And, right. Um, then after that, I got a um, a really um, cool opportunity to make a pilot. A TV pilot for um, for the MTV network. Oh, great! And I was through um, Warrington Helen, who produced um, House Party. Right, uh, yeah. the Helen Brothers. Yeah, he. Uh, my dad Ooh, was a teacher. movies. Yeah, my dad was a teacher in um, East English. So wow. That's why he's known me since I was uh, uh, a child. Big, yeah, uh-huh. and he's always been like a uncle figure, and uh, he taught me a lot about the uh, the business. And uh, from that, from there on, then the writer strike happened. I needed to get um, mm-hmm. a job, mm-hmm. so I went back to college and I got a degree in public policy. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that restorer got me interested in this documentary or kind of primed me for the uh, for the documentary that I did because I, I was looking, I was always looking the racial data, uh-huh. what does it mean, and we and how it worked and how what the correlations were mm-hmm. and so forth. And did that kind of be kind of questioning it? And my kids were born, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh wow, okay, um, you know, I'm black and Jewish." I'm mm-hmm. now it all comes into play. Yeah, and then my kids are were black and Jewish, plus some other stuff, and the mother. <laughs> 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 and they're like, "Okay, you can't say you know, black and Jewish, black and white. That's easy. I mean, that's a little and people get it. Mm-hmm. But when you say black and Jewish, and Mexican, Native American, and and white, the list goes <laughs> on." <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what's the point? And, um, and so then um, I started wondering, you know, what what the future would be like. And uh, one, on one hand, I thought, you know, as a positive, okay, they're going to be all of the stories. They're going to be everything they, who are, they, they are. But then I started notice, noticing that the society wanted them to be one thing. Mm. And well, why was that? And so that's what got me interested in this. Um, you could tell watching the documentary that your your passion making it for making it was that your it was had to do with your children and yeah. what kind of world are they going to grow up in you know and is is it going to have to be something that affects them their entire lives or are they going to be on the edge of of change mm-hmm. you know I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm approaching it differently you know and how we see races and stuff like that I thought that was very compelling and you can tell that that's the emotion that drove you to make this you know yeah. you wanted a better a better future for your kids and something you know they shouldn't have to deal with you know right. so, yeah. I mean, me, you know, that's what, that's what the civil rights movement was about. Mm-hmm. Right. It was about, I mean, we wanted to um, get rid of the, the bosses because we knew that yeah. the bosses meant, uh, you know, the black boss meant uh, inferiority um, and the white boss meant supremacy. Mm-hmm. And right. so that was, and, but then, of course, I mean, that led to other things. But uh, we knew 
how powerful these bosses were. Right. And um, so I grew up with that. And I was like, okay, well, if you, have, if you miss beyond miss, mm-hmm. you know, if that's another generation, and where do you go from there? And right. I really, you see, you're right. That really was the, the question that I had to answer. Yeah. I actually have a, a question about the film. It's kind of a, a little bit of a backtrack. Um, it's still about the film, but separate from the identity politics issues. Just the the, the title. I noticed that it's, it's a lot of times you have it listed as I am or how Jack became black. So are you are you deciding between two different titles? Is that what's going on? Or? Well, um, you know, I'm still an unknown filmmaker. I mean, I've been, I've been working on this, and um, mm-hmm. I am with the original title because there was still a lot of, like, I am means, you know, mm-hmm. possibilities. I mean, that's why in the civil rights movement we had, I am a man. And that man, you know, I'm not just black. I'm not, I'm, I am, I can be black, I can be whatever, but I am a man. Mm-hmm. You can give me all the rights, all the, you know, all that. So I am meant that. Okay. However, we're working in a commercial world, and I started to get attention from a distributor. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying that you need to simplify. So how Jack became black is now the title. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the, only, that's the main purpose yeah. of that. Yeah. I got you. I love that okay. title, too. It's, it's capturing, and it makes you want to know more of that title. I love it. That's what you want to know, like a clickbait, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was good. Because <laughs> yeah. I always wondered on every application I ever filled out, how come Hispanic was never considered a race? Like, it was always just black, white. Or uh, what was the other one? Um, like Eskimo or I, I, or, or like <laughs> I, Island Pacific or something like that. Yeah. You know, I was just like, well, where's mine? You I'm, know? Gl- I'm glad you mentioned that because I think in the in the U.S. I noticed that we 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 conflate race and ethnicity and right. all those, and we can we we use them interchangeably. And we even I even I even noticed in the film that that was done sometimes and nationality, race, and ethnicity. They're all three, they're three distinct different things. They're, they're all three individual things and we use them interchangeably, but they're not interchangeable. They exactly. all mean something mm-hmm. different. When you're with a kid growing up though, that's like, the, that's what, right. where the confusion comes in. With the in. exception of, of Jewish. Jewish is kind of like, it's all of those things. It's mm-hmm. the one thing that's like everything. It's, it's a race, it's ethnicity. Right. It's, well, it's not a nationality, but you know, close enough. Right. right. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, a lot of times, you know, you, you'll hear people say things like, oh, well, you know, what's your race? Or And then somebody will say, I'm Mexican. Well, that's your nationality. Mm-hmm. Right, that's not right. really your race. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and Hispanic or Latino is an ethnicity. It's it's right. not a race. That's why mm-hmm. on the 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 census is in the different boxes, you'll see white, not Hispanic or black, yes. not Hispanic or whatever, because right. it's the race. Yeah. N- not the ethnicity. Right. The Hispanic part is the ethnicity. So, right. That, that was the yeah. first time I thought I was white when I saw on the thing. Oh, so what am I checking off here? I because mean, <laughs> I had no because that was before they started putting non-Hispanic, mm-hmm. whatever. So it literally yeah. just said black, white, or Eskimo or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, what do I check off? And they're, uh, you're Caucasian. I'm like, really? That's the first time I've been I've been called. That. <laughs> <laughs> I lived. I grew up in Yonkers, New York, was uh, where racial slurs were a pretty uh, you know common <laughs> thing. On this. So I, was like, I was never called white. I guarantee you that. So I was like, really? I'm white. Really? All right, fine. Uh, um, just so you know. The, uh, the the United States um, tension below a movie or uh, I don't know if they've done it yet, but they are really considering making uh, Hispanic, Latino, mm-hmm. a race. Mm-hmm. Right. Which complicates everything because they want, to, they want to simplify that. They want to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. The ethnicity, so they want to make it a race. Mm-hmm. Which is even more ironic because, you know, uh, <laughs> having, you know, my, you know, my um, ex-wife family being in Mexico, 
they always deem them I mean they, they, they have their own culture uh, you know from Guatemala from mm-hmm. other right they're not the same people no mm-hmm. they're not. so if they come to America it's like you all won. Right. <laughs> right. Join right. the group. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's, that's so true. That's what we want to do. We want to put people in these little boxes and identify everybody as this, that, or the other. And and for whatever reason, if you can't put somebody in the box, then they they feel uncomfortable, or uneasy, mm-hmm. and all right. weird. It's like they it, it's we're going through the same thing now with with gender. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, male, female, other. You know, yeah. like. You know, it, it's it's going through the same thing. Right. I think like, it's harder to stereotype somebody when you don't know what race they are. Yeah. So I think mm. that plays a really, really, really big part in it. If I know that you're yeah. a woman, then I can say, oh, okay, well, she's probably going to do this or she's probably going to do that. Or when you're other or when yeah. you are transitioning, it's kind of like, well... You're, you don't, they don't know. They right. don't know how to stereotype you. They don't know how to classify you. I agree. I think I, I th- that what makes them nervous. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not fair. That's not right. And you can't stereotype people because everybody's different. Yeah, everybody's that's, part, different. that's part of that human nature where we're just afraid of what right. we don't understand. You know? right. and, and also, too, I think, it's, I think it's actually, I think part of it's stereotyping, but I think it goes actually beyond that. Because I feel like when you, when, you use, when you think stereotype, you think of like trying to assign certain characteristics to people, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just like human nature that we want to organize and 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 put things in boxes. Like we do the same thing with things that aren't people as well. Like time. Time mm-hmm. is infinite. Mm-hmm. But we've taken time and we've quantified it and we've made it, you know, so that we can manipulate it. We put it on this clock and, and we can measure it and all this kind of stuff. But really time is like immeasurable. It's right. it's, it's it's infinite. And but yeah. we so that we can deal with it and we can comprehend it, we break it down and try to make it and put it into this category uh-huh. and, and, and fraction it off. In a day and, right, yeah. right. Yeah. That's that's kind of how we deal with things, mm-hmm. and that's how we deal with each other too. We, you know, and it's not like um, necessarily a a, a, um, a a nefarious or or negative mm-hmm. thing that people are trying to do when they do that. It's just like not even. It's not simplification, even, right? Yeah. It's not even. It's not even conscious. I was going to say that. Yeah. It's just. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's, they just do it. Just like breathing. They don't. You don't think about you breathing. You just do it. Yeah. Right. You just. That's just the way your mind works. It just tries to break everything down and put everything in boxes in these night little neat little packages so it can just comprehend everything that's going on. Yeah. yeah. Everything in life is not always about understanding. It's True. just about living and feeling. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. It, it's not all the time going to fit in one little box. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what we have to realize that mm-hmm. it's not when it doesn't fit into a box. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Just yeah. don't freak out. Like, okay, your mind goes there. But then when your mind realizes that it doesn't fit neatly into this nice little package, just move on. Just right. let it go. Right. Let it go. It, it's not the end of the world. Right. You know, don't try yep. to force it. <laughs> just, just let it go. Just let it go. And of, let course, let it go. The, and of course, they'll try to make you believe that it is to your benefit that these boxes exist. Oh. You know, like, it is to your benefit, you know, like, you know, it, when affirmative action became a thing, you know, and it's like, this is for your benefit that mm-hmm. we do this because we want to, you know, we want to kind of equal the playing field a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, may, that might have been the case at first, but at this point now that we're at, it's just like, that that reasoning is no longer yeah. valid. You now know? it's about numbers. It's a yeah. numbers game. Right, exactly. And you know, you 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 nailed it right on the head. It's about power. Mm-hmm. You know, when you really see what this is really all about, it is about power and keeping certain people in power. You know, and keeping other people down. You know, it's it's very compelling. You know, we should probably give uh, the people at home. I feel like they have an idea of what the film is about, but not really what yes. the film is oh, about. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't Eli? Why don't you kind of give like an overview? 
of <laughs> what of or what your film is about. Yeah, tell us about your film. Yeah, it's the. Um, I mean, I, I I admit it's the. Um, could be a little bit of a complicated uh, film because I do cover um, things like my own personal story, um, a film Sebastian, Trayvon Martin, George Dimmerman, um, De Blasio, um, the Republican Party. So you can see I'm going over the map. But when I'm but the unifying uh, theme, uh, there's a couple of them, but one of them is sometimes that's where multiracial stays in life. We go from one situation to another situation. You should see. So I'm kind of giving you a feeling of what it's like to be in certain situation. And the big question, though, is: Are we? Um, the big theme of the film is: We've been out of good attention, been pursuing these policies, what I call identity politics, to try and make our society better. But have we gone too far into racializing people? You know, making them into race groups and believing that we should fix the problem by race. Mm-hmm. And I th- I, my, my thing is, I think we've gone too far and I think it's time now to move back to the individual mm-hmm. near balance mm-hmm. uh, because we are all individuals. Yeah. When there is, you know, like when there's a problem in a certain neighborhood, there's usually not just one, I mean, some, in some neighborhood there may be one race living there, but usually you're going to find a melting pot of mm-hmm. people there. They live in the same environment. They deal with the same school system, mm-hmm. the same teachers, or the same whatever the problem is. That's the community problem. Mm-hmm. But we come in and we say, okay, it's a racial problem. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes, you know, my, my feeling isn't that prevent us. When we stay race, we tend to leave it there. Mm-hmm. That's where the power is. We don't take that step further into uh, the humanity of these people, get, be, get beyond the politics. Mm-hmm. And I really try to fix the problem. Yes. Yeah. That's so very true. It seems like when, even when you hear things about certain things happening in, at certain schools, maybe they aren't meeting the proper uh, criteria for education, and then they'll, it'll be on the news, and they'll say, oh, well, this is a predominantly black neighborhood school. Or it'll be like, oh, this is a Hispanic right. school. And it kind of like stops there. They kind of just like, oh, well, that's why it's, right. th- yes, that's yeah. why it's that way. Instead yeah. of saying, no, there's a problem, and it needs to be fixed, they'd leave it right there at the race, and they don't really take it a step further. It really does hinder, yeah. hinder the community. Yeah, because I think that the problem, I think that's one problem with the people. Um, I think the true believers in identity politics, they don't see themselves as individual. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a big, huge problem. If they don't see themselves as individual, how are they going to see black people or other people as individual? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's so true. They can't. They mm-hmm. won't. They're not. So I think now is a good time. I want to read uh, Pip. He was very, very upset he couldn't be here, yeah. but he did send in a statement that he wanted read on the show. He did watch the, the movie. Um, he loved the movie. I'm going to go ahead and read what, uh, what Pip wanted us to, to hear. Okay. I thought his documentary was very well done. I completely agree that there should be some other criteria to check off for race. If you are mixed race, you should be able to say so. I don't think we're ready yet in our society to have multiple categories of mixed race people. So if you're black and Latino or Asian and Polish, see what I talk about <clears throat> mixing and conflating, he just did it. Asian and, mm-hmm. and it was a race and mm-hmm. Polish is a nationality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not there yet where we, can, uh, where we can break it down into all those categories. However, those of us that are clearly recognizable as black, we don't get the real option to choose. We have often confronted 
<clears throat> excuse me, we are often confronted with racism just because of the color of our skin alone. That's why a standing up that's that's why a standing up to be counted on forms is important so that people can recognize that we are there. In the school system in particular, race does not need to be accounted for so that we know for statistical purposes what is happening in our schools and in our education system. Race still matters in America. Historically speaking, we are not that far from slavery and Jim Crow laws. We need to have a system in place still that accounts for the disparity among the races, or at least records it. America's race conversation has really only begun. We need data still to track our progress. We are not yet ready to ignore race in America because it is very relevant. Mr. Steele and his children can choose not to wear uh, yeah, not to wear the identity of black, but many of us don't have that option. So I think basically he while he agrees with a lot of what's going on in your film and a lot of the things that you brought up, I think one thing is that your 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 idea about a movement towards the individual, I don't think Pip is in agreement with that and doesn't think that we're ready for that quite yet. And I get that and I kind of have I hate to play like the the straddle defense, but I kind of see both sides and I have mixed. I, I'm not sure where I fall on this. I, there are times when I feel like we put too much emphasis on 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 these things. Mm-hmm. And then there's times when I feel like, yeah, we should be moving towards the individual like Elias said. But then there's times when I feel like, OK, yeah, we're not quite there yet. We right. you know, we're if, if we do that, then more and more minorities will continue to fall by the wayside. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. And there's so, there's so much race division happening right now. It, it's hard to even want to um, approach these topics. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, uh, you know, as soon as I heard about the topic alone, it was like uh, identity politics. I was like, oh, you know, do I really want to go there? You know, I was like, but it's, it, it's fascinating. And it is something that you have to be aware of because, it, it, you know, this is our reality in America. We do have many, many races of people you know, living here, and they are mixed. And you know, it, it is it is a system meant to hold people down. You know, and we have to be aware of that and, and get beyond that. And, and the only way we're going to yeah. do that is to be aware by films like this and to make a stand. You know. Yeah. yeah. I think I, it's very yeah. easy for people to fall by the wayside sure. and to get swept underneath the rug. And mm-hmm. I think this kind of like peels back some of the rug and exposes, you know, what's really, really, really going on. Because it's true, like somebody for me, I don't have the option to choose a different box. I look black. I'm, I have to choose. I am right. black. I have to choose the black box. So I feel like. Yeah, there there needs to be a way that I'm counted correctly and not just, you know, as a number on the board or not just as to meet somebody's quota, but also to say, hey, yeah, these other people are here. This is a problem and we need a solution, not just a, a pacify or a Band-Aid. Right. It needs, something needs to be seriously done from the bottom, right. from the roots. Yeah, um, I think... Um you know, I mean, nobody's denying the uh, racism in America. Um, however, my big question is, um, because, you know, being multiracial kind of put me in a, um, an unusual position because I see how people want to use my race. Mm-hmm. And so I sit there and I look at, like, for example, when I applied to UCLA, a woman, uh, one of the um, officials, um, I asked the official, why do I need to put all of my multiple, all my racist into one bar, pick one bar, mm-hmm. and she said, in the name of diversity. Mm. So, you want me to shut the black boss in the name of diversity? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and so, you know, 
if I believe that this system is working, I wouldn't have a problem. Right. I think that we would be, if, if identity policy was truly working, we would be um, a much better society. Mm-hmm. The New York Times about two months ago came out and said affirmative action is not working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that article, but it was basically saying that we really haven't moved the needle. Mm-hmm. Well, the original purpose of affirmative action was to treat people as individuals to increase the equality of mm-hmm. opportunity. Level not, the playing field. Not mm-hmm. outcome. Right. We didn't do that hard work. Yeah. Mm. And why? Um, you know, I'll, I could go, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a, a sidebar, but in 1963, Malcolm X did a famous um, interview where he called um, the white liberals the, the Boston. Mm. And James Meredith, even James Meredith, who integrated um, Owen Mitt, has said that the white liberal is the devil. Mm-hmm. And the reason, what, the reason why they stayed out is because they, they thought that they were doing things that benefited them, but not the people that were the, the attendees who helped. Mm-hmm. If we have pursued the original form of affirmative action, the hard work of really a better school, better funding yeah. in, in that, in the, in the city, we would be, I think, a much better society. We would be, we wouldn't be in a place where race, we were relying on race budget. To prove again how far, how how no progress is being made. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't make progress that way. You have to make progress by um, treating people as individuals, by giving them um, the foundation that they need. Yes, really getting mm. in there and making a change and making a difference. Yeah, because just looking at myself, just looking at myself, I am blessed. I know that the government. You know, I mean, I could be a little skeptical, skeptical, skeptical about the government, but I know that I'm a beneficiary. Uh, we'll call them of a policy called IDEA, which basically is that we're going to go in and help disabled kids. We're going to give them individualized education plan and awesome. uh, provide them with the tools that they need. Oh, that's great. So I, if I did not have that, the road would have been even much harder. Yeah. But because I had the help when I was a, uh, from a young kid mm-hmm. all the way to... Um, yeah. And by the time I got to college, I need, I need help. Yeah, mm. was, you know, but the point is, you have to start when they're young, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So the question is, do you do you think that affirmative action is still valid? Do we still need it? Should we still have it instilled at this point? Well, I think um, it's. A, I mean, I think race-based affirmative action. Really, mm-hmm. I don't think it really helped. I think the black people, um, you know, I think the the problems you know in the communities are deeper mm-hmm. than what affirmative action can fit. I mean, I think we need you know better schools. We need. I mean, you, yeah. you know, in the end, you have it in the part, but in the end of the documentary, um, they are going through an ethnic studies program. Mm. And the, 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 before I'm interviewing them, they're telling me they have no um, college counselor. Yeah. They have mm. 70 kids in one classroom. Wow. So me, as a parent, you know, my kid is nine, and my girl is uh, seven. Their time is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I um, you know, got divorced from my wife, I knew the where I live would be dictated by the best public school possible. possible yeah. And it took me three months to get an apartment in that area. Wow. So you have this whole, com- whole community of people stuck in these schools with no guided counselors. Mm. And, and LAUSD gave them, WD, well, LA Times, they would cost $3 million and 250 new teachers to implement ethnic studies. Hmm. For me, ethnic studies is 
Yeah. A luxury is not the thing yes. that you need now. I mm-hmm. mean, you need yeah. more. And so that's something why our priority always bending toward identity politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the bad story is that the, uh, the teacher union love ethnic studies because it brings him, it, it creates a higher and more teacher. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Which creates more. And so yeah, we're doing all of this, but we're not addressing the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so true. In my in my in my community, there's a um, an elementary school directly across the street on the other end of my corner, and in that school, the second graders and the third graders are in the same yeah. class. Wow. And I don't understand. I don't even have kids, and I don't understand how that's possible. How is my second grader, or how is my third grader, learning the same things? As a second grader, and that's considered okay. There is a dysfunctional breakdown in the educational system that needs to be fixed, regardless of ethnic studies, regardless of history and math and science. The classroom structure needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be redone because it's broken down. Kids aren't learning properly. They aren't getting the best education that they can from these public schools to then go on to a higher education and compete with these other kids that have been um, trained highly or gone to public schools or gone to these other public schools that are in better communities and then they struggle at the end of their lives and I don't and I feel like we, we're setting them up in a way to to fail and yeah. I think that needs to be fixed for sure yeah yeah but, um, I hear the quick story but um, I was on the board of a nonprofit um, called uh, No Limits for Deaf Children it was mm-hmm. uh, in Culver City mm-hmm. And um, what we do is we provide auditorial, verbal uh, therapy services to care. This yes. is $150 an hour. Mm-hmm. We provide that for free to uh, lower-income people. Oh, that's amazing. That's a blessing. Yeah, and most of them are uh, immigrant, um, you know, undocumented. They don't know anything about hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Not the, they, find that, they find that about through uh, word of mouth. They just but lost. What's, uh-huh. But what's interesting, though, is... They come in, the parent or the parent that you see going through your recycling um, garbage bags. I mean, these are very mm. poor people. And we, we don't look at that. We should say, if you want to join our program, here are all the standards. Mm-hmm. You have to come, you have to bring your kid in two days a week for four hours of therapy. Mm-hmm. You, the parent, have to come on Saturday for your own therapy. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you need to learn how to advocate for your kids. You need to learn how to... These families thrive. We have a, uh, I'm proud to say that we have a 100% um, college graduation yes, rate. Yes, that wow. is, yes. I, oh, I can just imagine how that benefits their lives in the long run. Not only that, but also the Stibley. Mm. Because we have a Stibley uh, room, and so they get tutored. And so my point is, I know she's seeing this. How it's not hard to do. No. Yeah. And we should be. No. It's it's a tragedy. Oh man. You know yeah, it is. That's a, that's amazing that you guys have that program and you're doing that for children. It's just the little things like that that just make a big difference. It's the same thing that happened in your life when you were young. Somebody helped you and your mom and. This is even before you got the fancy uh, Ferrari of hearing aids. So just the little things like that really does make a big difference in somebody's life growing up and their outcome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to go a little bit off topic real quick, um, I want to give a shout out to all the parents out there who have kids with challenges and disabilities, whatever, yeah. and who do. Because parents, unless you unless you were born with some sort of challenge or disability, you don't really know. Parents, they amazingly rise to the occasion. Like, mm-hmm. if 
and that's one thing I've noticed when I, I mean, in my own life, I hear Eli talking about it. I, um, when you watch the movie like Ray, the auto, the, auto bio, the biography of um, Ray Charles, and all these others, time and time again, I see these parents who, and um, um, these these parents who have not gone to school or have not had any training, but they just figure it out. They figure out things. There there are things my mother taught me as a kid that I still do every day of my life, mm-hmm. like to get by, you know, yeah. on things from like riding a bus mm-hmm. and, and knowing how to know where I am since I can't see street signs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. just to even like cleaning the, the house, you know, countertops and things like that. It, it's just, and it's like, how did she know that? How did she know why, you know, and I remember watching Ray thinking the same thing when I saw his mom teaching him stuff like, how did she figure that out? How did she know yeah. that? You yeah. know, it's, yeah. They they just do. Yeah, they just they, yeah. they just do. A lot of it's instinct, you know. Yeah, it's, just like it's amazing. A lot of people that are afraid to become parents because it's like I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. I'll, I'll probably drop the kid. Like oh, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't, like I don't know if I can do that. I, I think right. I'm going to leave my baby on top yeah. of the car and just drive off. Like I'm going home. Like, but well, yeah, you know they, they say they say if you're worried, that's the first sign that you're going to be a good parent. Yeah. Thanks, guys. If you're concerned about being a good parent, that's the first sign that you're going to be a good parent. I'm scared for my child. Because it's, it's the ones who think they got it and know everything are the ones that you got to worry about. Yeah. But the ones who like, oh, my God, how in the world am I going to, you know, yeah. it's just. But, yeah, parents. And there's a lot to worry about. Shout out to parents. You know, mm-hmm. the, the world we live in now is just it's so different from even when we were younger. You know, it's oh, like yeah. there's so many different things going on. It's like you have to worry about, like, what kind the of. cell phone. Yeah, the cell phone. Oh, my God. The Don't computer. even get me started with oh, the holidays. How many kids I saw with the uh, iPad glued to their face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really sad where we're going. But, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the Blue Whale thing we talked about a few episodes ago with the, you know, the kids oh, yeah. who were committing suicide. The suicide game. Suicide game. Yeah, it's, there's yeah. so many dangers out there. It's a so. game. It's like it's um it's a game. If you guys didn't hear, but the blue well is a game that kids are playing, and at the end of the game, the last challenge is that you kill yourself. Yeah, it's God. mostly it's mostly done overseas, oh, wow. but yeah, yeah, they they ramp it up with small things. It, it, it was, starts it was, off small. It was the same episode that when uh, Krista was on. That's the last yeah, yeah, yeah. Talked about thing. That. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's heavy duty. I mean, parent being a parent now is more challenging than ever. Yeah, but kids are doing it. It's yeah. the craziest thing. Kids are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just the craziest thing. You have to like be like super aware yeah. as a parent, even more aware as a parent. That's just incredible. You do, and then and then the the challenge is th- this is the, the struggle that I find is maintaining the balance. How to how to protect without being overprotective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How yeah. to how to educate and inform my child without instilling fear in her. Without mm-hmm. you know, I want her to be aware of strangers and to be aware. But at the same time, I don't want her afraid of everybody who turns the corner. Right. You know, that's yeah. the hard part. Is to me, it, it's super the, hard. That that balance, striking that balance, it's 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 exhausting. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, we we see, you know, we watch something on television and we see, okay, we let's let's use this as a learning. Right. experience you know let's right. you know but then there's a part of me that's like oh are we doing it too much are we yeah. gonna make her paranoid are we right you know? when you're a kid you're always told don't talk to strangers mm-hmm. right you know but then at that point like how do you interact with people yeah. right you, everybody's get, a stranger how do you get right. to know anyone if you don't yeah. talk to strangers but you're told at a very young age don't right. talk to strangers don't talk to strangers, strangers. Right. Don't talk right. to strangers. Mm-hmm. and you know, then and then if you and as a kid of an adult speaks to you and you don't speak to him like what is wrong with you you right. heard oh, that yeah. that adult speaking to you <laughs> yeah. don't or why yeah. are you so rude right right show respect right show respect 
respect. Yeah. yeah. Speak when you're spoken to. Like, yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we constantly, we constantly contradict ourselves to children Absolutely. all the time. Oh, I, yeah. I thought about that one day. It's just like so many things where we just constantly tell them opposite things to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. It's a, I mean, I, I went through this whole thing with uh, Santa, you know, like I've got little nieces, you know, and, and mm-hmm. they, they do, they pull on the whole Santa thing, like the whole thing. They wanted me to dress up, go outside, and so they could see from the window me like walking up with bags <laughs> with of the presents. Bags. Oh my God. <laughs> and it was cute as hell and I loved doing it. It was great. I loved it. But in, my, in the back of my mind, all I'm thinking about is like, what's going to happen when these kids find out the, the, the truth you know yeah. the, 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 we lied to you this whole time this you know whole, oh, and i get that you know like it, it's it's a cute fantasy to have but i do have this conflict too where we're told constantly don't lie don't lie don't mm-hmm. lie don't lie and then oh, but you just lied to me for like the first <laughs> 10 years of my life like, so, <laughs> so how, how is that okay lie. you know how is that okay mm-hmm. everything but, that i, I don't know that, that, that's definitely conflicting for me but yeah being a parent has to be so challenging right now so. yeah 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 I, I even uh recently heard about the about the public schools, the music teacher that they had coming in was putting the semen on the musical instruments, and was it Long Beach or it was like somewhere very far? We did that on the show. We talked about that on the show. Yeah, no, no wonder. So, no wonder I know so much about that story. No wonder I know so much about it. But my but my neighbor pulled her daughter out of music class after after that story came. Wow. Out. So oh, exactly. Yeah. So now her daughter is not playing violin anymore. She missed her recital that she had. She's missing out on all these life experiences because her mom's in fear yeah. over over something that happened. You know, miles and miles away. So there is. It's so yeah. hard. It's, it's so, so hard, hard to be it a is. parent. Yeah. It's so hard to be a parent. And I, I think um, our kids are about the same age, um, Eli. Uh, my daughter is is nine. She, turn, she turned nine in October. So, and Jack is nine, right? Yeah, Jack is nine. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. And they look like they could be cousins or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're nice, curly, blonde hair. So cute. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, I'm sure you've had to go through this. I mean, you know, talk, you know, talking about these mixed mixed races, you know, like I'm sure you've been mistaken for other, you know, ethnicities oh, and oh, yeah. you know things all like the, that all the time. All and the time. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's got to be difficult, and especially in a place like L.A., mm-hmm. where there is such a mixture of people, you know, and it's just like. It's very difficult sometimes to, you know, pin down someone. If you call someone the wrong thing Ooh. right away, like that's the worst thing you that's can do. You, know? like, thing. You, you think you might be bonding with someone because you, mm. they, yeah. you think they're, they're, you know, they're, you know, your ethnicity or whatever. And it's, oh, uh, I'm not that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, Excuse me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not that guy. I don't, I'm not the get upset guy over yeah. stuff like that. But I, I do have tons and tons of stories. My wife loves them. She thinks it's so hilarious that I get mistaken for, for a white guy yeah. a lot. There's this, this one story she really likes where, I was at the the courthouse to uh, I think I got a jaywalking ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I was jaywalking. And so I was at the courthouse to pay this ticket and the majority of the people there were Latinos. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And um uh I can't remember the the system, but it was kind of a convoluted system or whatever. And in LA, what? <laughs> okay, exactly. I've heard of. <laughs> but most it seemed like the vast majority of the people there were there for uh um camera tickets mm. you know the, the ticket mm-hmm. lights yeah right and uh in la they've been ruled you know uh that the uh the the ticket lights weren't legal right, right. so, so you, they were dismissing those up, right yeah, so they, people were just showing up most of them were just being dismissed or whatever and uh there was the, there was a white lady there and um i i can't remember how how it happened but because uh, it, it was so many years ago but but something happened where uh oh i think she made a comment about 
it seemed like they were only calling Latinos or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And she mm-hmm. said something like, like under her breath to me, like, what well, you got to be, you know, have a Latino last name or you got to be Mexican <laughs> to, get, to get called around here? You should have said C. And I, I just was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and so I just did the no, like, and so she, she looks over to me and she was like, she said, yeah, God forbid for one of us. And she, she takes her, her index finger of her right hand and she rubs it Ooh. on her on her on her left arm forearm. You, her right said, hand on her left arm. And she no, she didn't. She goes, God forbid, one of us get a break mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and like that, right? And I was like, Yeah, I said, White man can't get a break around here. I was like, and, I just, <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, that Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yes, did oh yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. But that was one of the more fun ones. I've had them come up to me and say, like, racist, really racist things. Thinking you know, that you was because, in the club. Yeah. You know. <sighs> right. So, you know, come to me saying, like, really racist things about black people because mm-hmm. they thought I was white, too. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. I mean, you know, and then just a lot of the things, a lot of times at work. And a lot of times it's like I'm not even in the room. Like, I hear about it secondhand. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and people, you know, always think it's hilarious or whatever because – Black people have a tendency to know more than white people. You know, we have, they have that saying in the black community, we always know our own, which is not true, by the way. Yeah. But it is true that we do recognize, you know, other black people, uh, especially of, of mixed ancestry, yeah. better than non-black people, mm-hmm. especially if they're not from this country. If they're not from this country, then they're just really just blown away. But <laughs> if, if they're from here, then they kind of have a l- little bit more whatever. But, yeah, people not from America, they... Yeah. They see mixed black people and they are clueless. They do not get it at all. They don't. They don't know where you came from. But sometimes it's even within your own deal. Like so, like say, like growing up in LA. Like Mm -hmm. you grew up in LA. Mm -hmm. Was there ever like times in school where you weren't black enough? Oh my god! You know, did you get that kind of you know deal where it's just like you ain't black in -hmm. school? The other day I wasn't black enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, amongst my friends, that's like the constant butt of dude. That's the joke, you know. Dino, the white guy, like that's. Just went to lunch with two friends the other day. I've been friends with them like 30 years, and that's still like the running joke when, right. you know, we get together, whatever. Oh, you know, Dino the white guy. Right. Like, bright came so here, like, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely. Um, it's funny because uh, I had this conversation. I I, I had um, a podcast with a couple of other um, mixed podcasters. Those The other two guys were both uh, biracial, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not biracial. Right. I am mixed, but not biracial. Both my parents are, are black. My mom is just she's really mixed but uh she's she's not white and um so we were saying that a lot of people a lot of times people think that us mixed people have this 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 privilege which not saying that we don't have a certain amount or whatever but it's not what y'all think it is it's not like you know um but you think that we're privy to this white world and this white experience that that you're not that the that the dark-skinned black people aren't privy to yeah but the reality of it is Rather than us getting a special pass, we're more caught in the middle because right. we're not black enough in the to yeah. be the, the, all exactly. the way black. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's kind of like we're like accepted, but kind of on the fringes where you know the butt all the jokes yeah. and teased and all that kind of right. stuff. <laughs> right. And then on the white side, whatever, we definitely not white enough right. to be <laughs> to be one of them because exactly. we're not a hundred percent. So right. that's not that's not happening. You know. 
it's like okay you're good enough to be the house negro but yeah. you're not good enough to be right. one of us right you, yeah. know? I, I you can come over but you can't stay so right right so <laughs> what happens more often than not we kind of end up being marginalized yeah. but but our people think that we have it like oh this 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 secret life that right. like like that um <laughs> like you're getting invited to these club, you, you ever country see, clubs and stuff right. Right? That, 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 the secret life do you ever see the eddie murphy skit on saturday night live when he's yes. he's dressed up like a white person right, and then the right. one black person gets off the bus and then all of a sudden the bus turns partying. into a part the, <laughs> red, the roulette wheels come out the cocktail waitress just comes yeah. around he went undercover as yeah. a white person so he had yeah. like white makeup on and, and he goes, he goes yeah. to a bank for a loan he goes sure take any oh, how much do you need and he's just like handing him cash and he goes I found that white people give stuff right <laughs> exactly in this that they world it's not like that for us it's the same We're when we're on the bus it's still a bus it right. happens when I get off the bus then that's when the party bus comes out right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy I never thought about that before in that yeah way. it's it's a trip though but it's 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 the thing that's tripping that's um really i'm trying to get used to is the whole like eli was talking about going towards more the individual and less about the mm-hmm. i feel like we're actually there's a there's a big segment of us going going uh going towards more categories mm-hmm. you know because now there's a, a large segment of of mixed people who want mixed to be a race right like just that that's like like we're not black Another category we're not white we're not latino or whatever else we're mixed with we're right. just mixed right and that's its own thing and that's what we are or whatever and i kind of there's there's a segment of the black community that are very offended by that mm-hmm. and then the, the the younger ones the millennials are like what's your problem old people and <laughs> i get it i get it mm-hmm. you know and and uh i guess i'm kind of you know, I'm not a millennial, so I kind of identify. I'm just because the way the world was when I came up. You know, it was right. we didn't have like like Pip said in in his in his statement, we didn't have that option. Even though I look more, you know, mixed and and, mm-hmm. and can pass in some instances, whatever. And some right. people do think I'm white. Overall, that option wasn't afforded to us to yeah. to just be mixed or to be not black or to be something other than black. It was like. Oh, you got a little bit of black in you, and so then you're black, right. and that's the way you were treated, and that's the way yeah. the one drop rule, right? Yeah, the, the one, one drop, drop rule, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and he talks about that in your documentary, also, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we, and in a way, you know, and and black people, the the you know the I, uh, the the brown skinned black people, I guess I'll call mm-hmm. them for lack of a better term. You know, they accepted us and welcome. That's one thing about black the black community. You're pretty welcoming. You know, mm-hmm. we're pretty welcoming overall. If you just, you know, if you Hang genuine, you genuine or whatever, <laughs> we might dog you and tease you, <coughs> tease you or whatever, but they'll accept you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they, they, you know, they accepted us because they gave us a place, gave us a home. And it's like, you know, that, that, that was the thing. We were black. We weren't. I don't identify as I mean, I, I know I'm mixed race, obviously, but. Me thinking of myself, I don't think of myself as a mixed race person. I think of myself as a black person, mm-hmm. you know, because that's just how I've identified my whole life. And I have to maybe if I had one parent who was not black, you know, it, and I had access to a different culture growing up. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But because both my parents were black, even though my mom, my mom had blue her eyes were very blue and her hair was very blonde. Right. And her features were much more keen than mine. She, mm-hmm. you know, she definitely could pass. And did pass until she opened up her mouth. Her mouth betrayed her. She <laughs> gave it away. Yeah, oh, gave it away in a no. second. Like, excuse me, ma'am. Right, <laughs> right. So, so even though that there was that, uh, she 
her her experience was black. Mm-hmm. You know, her her everything yeah. that she knew was black. Both her, you know, well, at least one of her parents were black. But and she always grew up in black neighborhoods and black community, and you know that's all she knew, and that's yeah. all that she passed on to me. So I I never had influence from. You know, uh, outside of what you get from just being living in the world, sure. you know, I didn't get that from a different parent. So maybe if I got that from a parent, then I might have might feel a little bit more like a mixed race person. But I really yeah. don't feel like a mixed. I just feel like a a, a black person. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, she be she be. Uh, it was not until I started looking <coughs> this documentary that I heard the word uh, multiracial. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, there's the LA Times op there that wrote, I think it was 2010. It's the interracial. Mm, interracial. Because that's where I grew up thinking. That's, that's where I was. I mean, <laughs> I was always black and Jewish, but I never even heard of the word multiracial. Mm-hmm. And one of the interviews they did with um, Kay, um, Clay, Clay Kane, he's a um, the journalist. He's um, like in BET. Um, he's on Fox News, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. And he asked me one question. He is his mother's wife. His father's black. Okay. Uh, divorced. So he's spent the first half of his life in Seattle, then the other half in in Philly. Mm. Okay. So you get the contrast. Yeah. Right. All in the black world. Right. right. He identifies you black today, mm. even though he's mm. mixed. But what he said to me, uh, the question he asked me was, what is the multiracial? Mm-hmm. And he said, I get it. I mean, I know what black means. I know what this means. But what is the multiracial? And I'm in, I'm in a, uh, complete agreement with him. Mm-hmm. Because what do you want to have in common with if you're like, if you're Hispanic yeah. German, right. Mm-hmm. right? Your story is completely different. So why am I in the box with, with that the person. Hispanic mm-hmm. in German? Yep. Because you know what well, the reason why they put us in the box is that the powers that be can put us back into one of the um, mm-hmm. other boxes, other boxes, and um, so that's why. Always, so that's why we your friend was talking about how we need these boxes to prove diversity, uh, to prove um, racial <coughs> discrimination, right? Okay, but then you need to look at the powers that are controlling the boxes. Right? Mm-hmm. Are they doing what you want them to do? Right. Yep. I don't think they are. Nope. And so that's where I would be. Um, but but that's why I think that where you're staying is very true because I can completely understand what, what you mean by being black. My father grew up in uh, South Side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, my mother, my Pip's grandmother. Our, our buddy Pip, that's not here. That's from where he's from. Oh, okay, okay. That's where he's from. Okay, yeah. So um, his mother was white, um, from Ohio, uh, blue blood. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the daughter of, a re- uh, of the American Revolution. And mm-hmm. my grandfather was born to slave um, Camp Nelson, Kentucky. Wow. So like the odd couple. And, uh, but the family thing was... Once she married my grandfather, she moved into the black community. Mm. So she never, she always knew that she was a white person. But the world that she was living in, the friends that she had, well, were black because mm-hmm. you lived on that side of the line. Um, so my, my father, and under segregation, was black. For me, the difference was I had a Jewish mother and a very powerful um, influence from that from that mm-hmm. world, um, you know, the Holocaust and all that stuff that makes a huge impact. Mm-hmm. I can even see that on my kids now when um, my um, ex-wife took them to um, a slavery museum mm-hmm. in New Orleans, and that had a huge impact upon them, mm-hmm. even though that's not the part of slavery, but they still were able to understand that. So, so these stories do have huge impact mm-hmm. upon upon us, and for me, it got to a point where um, I should say I don't want to pick anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want to. I don't want. I should. I should got tired of dealing with the politics. Do I? Mm-hmm. Damn it! Be my story. 
Yeah. So the story to define me of who I am. Yeah. And I think that's why in, in the private we um you know in the um in the private session we have a right to identify what we want. Yeah. Right. Um and the, but the question is, does the government have a right to define that? Right. Yes. Right. Do they have a right to use that information for whatever gains that they have for themselves? And I don't think that that's right or fair. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I found very interesting in in the movie, and I was kind of I kind of suspected it all along, but I had no way of proving it. Where you where you made it known that if you don't check anything, because there's times when I won't, won't check a box oh, that yeah. they check something for you, mm-hmm. like yeah. if right. they if they know if mm-hmm. they can or if they think they know or whatever. Right, because you're, you're having that discussion. Yeah. What if I don't check anything? And she's like, you right. have to, you have to check something. Like, or oh, no, we'll do it. Or even what what amazed me in the documentary was when they said, well, if you don't check something, we'll check something for you, you based on how you look. look. Right. So that means somebody could look at you, Dino, and check off the white box, not knowing that you identify personally. as as black, but you don't choose to mark any box because you feel that you're both. So mm-hmm. you don't mark, but she'll look at you and choose one for you. And mm-hmm. I, that's what just literally blew my mind. Like, wow, mm-hmm. somebody can look at me right. and check a box for me, not even knowing anything about me. Right. Right, yeah, got to know. You should be Haitian. Exactly. And that's just totally difficult. Exactly. Right. I have a friend who's Panamanian and she's dark skin. She has very, very dark skin. And she, her first language was Spanish. She had to come to America and learn English all over again. But her, she has curly hair. She has very dark skin. And everybody would assume that she's African American or black. But she's not. Right. Completely not. And she doesn't even identify as a black woman. Right. So it's this. <laughs> so she doesn't have a box. But they will put her in the black box, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another one, African American. We use that for race, but African American is a culture. Yeah, that's yeah. not a race. There's yeah. no race that's African American. That's right. unique to us black people here. And our race is black. Our culture is African American. Mm-hmm. And there's you black. And yeah. There's blacks in a lot of other places in the world besides America. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But the term alone is like right. When people call other countries African American. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and it happens. Or it happens. A, or a Jamaican person here is not an African American, right. but right. they because it. But they and they'll think, be quick to tell you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Uh, excuse me, no, no. I'm Jamaican, right. exactly. But they think yeah. it's less offensive than saying black. They mm-hmm. think black, right? Offensive. But you know, so. I kind of get it, you know, and part of it is our fault, but part of it is not really our fault because I was going to say part of it is our fault because we go through these identity issues and every couple of years we want to change what right. we're called and this and that. Right. But that's American. Right. But then again, that's not our fault, but because we were snatched away from where we were and brought right. here and lost all that so that we have identity issues for mm-hmm. a reason. Yes. Right. And, so, we, and we, succumb to the, the, we, we succumb to the politically correct terms that are given for us right. so that we can feel better about, you know, yeah. what we yeah. call people. But the, but exactly. Exactly. Identity policies now. I mean, when when I was in college, it was much more flexible. Yeah, like where you're staying right now, you sound like somebody from the nineteen early nineteen nineties, where it was more fluid. Mm-hmm. But now, identity policies actually moving more and more to the concrete, to skin color. Um, an example of this is um, Cornell. I think it was Cornell University or Colgate, some college up in the north uh, in the northeast. Mm-hmm. The black student led a protest. To again, African student getting affirmative action. What? Wow. And then they made, I guess, the identity policy forces slam the black student and say, mm. no, it's for everybody. And so now you're left with the political war with the winning minute. Affirmative action is for <coughs> slavery for people who <coughs> came from that line. 
the why we give you to Nigerian, why we right. give you to just people with black mm. skin, why yeah. we give yeah. you that. Yes. Right. Why yeah. we give you to white women? Yeah. Right, no. right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, why is everybody getting affirmative action now? It's just for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Except I mean, black people. Yeah. Well, the marginally except black people. Like, this is crazy. It's yeah. being divided among everybody now when it was originally supposed to be for a specific purpose. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to, like, the literal station of skin color, where you sit. And that's a huge danger because, uh, yeah. you know, it's just. Um, and the big question really is. If you do that, then you better show us how this is going to make America better. You better show us how it's going to make the schools better. Right. And if I ask another, if I ask the uh, theoretical question, let's say that we took away the race boxes. Okay. Let's just say we eliminated them. And let's say that this school in this neighborhood, um, 75% of the kids are failing. Hmm. And we look at that problem and we don't have ways to rely on right. what mm-hmm. happened. We got to fix it. We go in there, we look at the books, we look at the T-shirts, we start mm-hmm. looking at all the other variables. It becomes more clear. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Oh, yeah. And so I think that's, that's why I asked you in the documentary if identity policy is actually a new form of racism. Mm-hmm. Because it sort of blinded us to um, just moving yes. past, the, uh, past that color. What's yes. funny about it, too, is that it does. It does have um, a hint of, of racism, but yet it, it it almost convinces you that it's the opposite of that. Yes, mm. you yeah. know that you're trying to progress into you know the future, and we're trying to you know level the playing field, as, you know, so to speak. But that it is so true that it is a new form of racism because it is still holding people back, back. based on right. something other than their character. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and, <sighs> and unfortunately. Just like- uh, it's always the black people that pay the price the most. Yeah. Um, I see my family, I see. I mean, I don't know why, but it's just, it's, I, mean, I don't know why, but I, I mean, that's a responsibility that we have to take. I mean, right. that's why, personally, it's the same thing with um, being there. People will say, you know, they'll probably tell a black kid, or they probably tell my father in the city, mm-hmm. being this, go to a community college, that's good enough for you. Mm. Well, you know, whatever that level, it's mm-hmm. good enough for you. Oh, no, that's okay. That's yeah. fine. Uh-huh. For me, it was, um, okay, you're there. If you got into Cal State Northridge, that's good enough for you because mm. of that program. Mm. So that was the whole thing. And I was just there and I go, okay. And I got to a point where I heard that in, you know, in several, in several um, contexts. Mm-hmm. In, um, so I should basically develop two words in my head. One begins with F, one, the other one begins with Y. Why? And it was like, smile at them. And I was just, because the point was, I can't believe where you stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if I believe where you stay, that I'm here to be. You're going to be I'm, at the lower level. So mm-hmm. I have to, you know, write you off. Yeah. Right. And, and believe in my own path. And everybody has to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing with the government. They, this skin color means this. So therefore you are this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that. the government yeah. doesn't want individualism. That's no. that's plain to see that the they want us to to be com, you know compartmentalized into certain groups into certain areas so that we can be controlled easily. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's basically yeah. what it comes down oh, to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For it's me, easier to control mm-hmm. when you got them all separated like that. For me, yeah. we've been doing these. We've been checking these boxes and we've been counting these tallies for all these years. And there's only been minuscule changes. So I think that. It would be better if we did away with the boxes altogether and then see where we can go from there. Because having the boxes isn't really doing anything but right. pretty much uh, 
segregating us more and putting us more into boxes in our own little communities in our own little areas and that's and then they're making the race is the problem instead of trying to figure out the real problem and I definitely agree with you on that in your documentary. Yeah, yeah I, think, I mean I think that if you if you believe that there's racial disparity that the disparity between race groups is caused by racism. Well we're still not fixing it, even mm-hmm. with these boxes. So it hasn't worked. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's not working. Else. Let's yeah. move forward. Let's try something else. Let's try yeah. something else. I mean, the, the politician gets up there. He makes a speech. He looks good. He looks forward mm-hmm. to it. And then it's over. It's the same thing when I went to um, this uh, this mine, uh George Dimmerman, uh trial. Mm-hmm. The minute the verdict came in, mm. the town was abandoned. Um, and he same thing with um, Eustace Hawkins, who mm-hmm. was killed in Benji Hurst. Mm. Right. The minute his body was in the ground, everybody was gone. gone. So, right. We don't, you know, we, we just go out every day, raise him, but then we're gone. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, oh, it's nothing we can do. All right. That's it. We tried. It's like, you know, there's no moving forward. There's really no solution. There's no action. I see. Yeah. It's just, it's just clickbait, as they say. You know, they just want, you, they want that headline. They want you to look at it, you know, go to that, you know, look at it. But you, you absorb it for that. You get mad about it for that day and then. That's the next it. day, something else happens, you know, and then there's, you know, a shooting and then there's this and then there's that, you know, so there's constant things that distract you away from um, the, the, the main picture, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's that's, why, that's why, that's why, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I, I think that we do have a lot of good in our community. When I was in um, Stanford, Florida, uh, the picture that I saw on the, on the ground was very different than um, the media portrayal. Like, for example, the media was saying this is a very white town. Mm-hmm. I would go through the wealthy neighborhood and I would see a black family, a Hispanic family, awesome. Asian family, white family. So I was seeing was not... Uh, what they was, were showing. Yeah, and this was a town that was just simply um, shot and overwhelmed by the uh, media invasion. I mean, it was just yeah. media truck going yeah. everywhere. Um, are they a bad town? No. Mm. Um, yeah. And have they made a lot of progress? Yeah. Is um, there... History there, of course. Mm. I mean, you have a town called um, Goldsboro, which is the historical black town, and it was not even really covered by the media, but um, it was the black neighborhood, and uh, it was where uh, Jackie Robertson stayed, where he played there. Uh, Stanford was, wow, yeah. was the stadium where they booed him out, um, and that guy co-opted into the city. Mm. Mm. So there is that history. Yeah. yeah. But what we see today is a lot of progress. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so we can't even know about that. Right. Got to know where you came from. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Eli, um, we are about to wrap up here. We're getting, getting towards the end of our show. But before we do, when can we look to see uh, how Jack became black? Uh, is it going to be in the theaters? How is it going to be released? Is it going to be released, like, online or both or what? Yes, yeah, she said the, um, hopefully it will be released in the theaters. Um, I'm not sure it was Chitty. Okay. It would be in, um, I'm sure it would be in L.A., it would be in Chicago, um, and some other places. And, yes, we would be doing multiple releases that okay. we have in, in the theaters, um, online, and um, hopefully maybe TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all being worked out right now. But okay. the best thing I would do is follow us on uh, Facebook um, mm. at um, How Jack Became Black. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and the, and the website is howjackbecameblack.com. It's awesome. really well done. It's very slick. It's it very is. polished. It's very well, very well done. Can I just ask, like, how did you get funding for it? This, this is what always, like, it's just me, you know, like, something like independent filmmakers, like, are you putting your own money into this? Like, how, how does it work? 
both. Um, I got rejected um, from a lot of uh, funders because the documentary was sort of new. The steps you matter was kind of new. People mm-hmm. didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should make a film about how multiracial feel. No, not quite. Um, I want to go <laughs> a little bit deeper than that. Um, yeah. and, um, so I did get funding from an organization called Moving, Moving Picture Institute, and they were very generous, mm. um, very supportive, and the rest of the funding were paycheck. Right. Awesome. Paycheck film. So I was taking a couple hundred dollars that I paid for my ticket to New right. York. Yeah. Wow. Or, um, and it took five years to make it. So that's what made wow. it. That was five years in the making. Yeah. Wow. So that's what made it financially feasible yeah. because mm. otherwise I could never sure. put all that money in one. Yeah. Right. No, I get yeah. that. No, no, it's yeah. very well done. Do, yes. you have, do you have any other projects on the on horizon or? Yes, uh, I have a couple of documentaries. Um, they're a little bit rough. I can't really talk about them, but um, okay. I'm trying to decide between three. Like, I mean, I probably want to do all of them, but mm-hmm. and, and also, um, that's why I also made this movie. That's why I'm trying to get more of a, um, a good distribution deal so that I can prove my um, track record. Okay, mm-hmm. right. And get funding for the next one. Awesome. Well, great. Well, well, when you when you get to the point where you're ready to promote, please come back and tell us all about that one. We'll be glad to. Glad to uh, have you back and hear all about it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, the documentary was great. I enjoyed it so much. I wish the best for you and your family and your kids and for everything to come. I hope this documentary and everything that you do just brings a lot of change because it it definitely inspired me. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I I really feel like I can relate to your film and you. I I really feel like like kindred spirits with you, you know. Like, <laughs> just I just feel like there's so many parallels between us, you know, even from the kids and their ages and they, their looks and just a lot of parallels there. So, yeah, um, yeah it really resonated with me. Awesome, uh, awesome. So I mean, I mean, everything me. All right, Tony, you were a great, great guest, a great fill in for uh, for Mr. Pip Lily. Well, thank you very much. I'll come back anytime you'd like. Yeah, we will have you back. All we right. will have you back yeah, more often. Fun. I forgot how much and, fun this uh, was. Yeah. Yes, indeed it was. And uh, Dejan, you really represented for the ladies. Thank you. You know, I got to hold it down for my beautiful ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say this just before we before we check out my little final thoughts. I feel like here in America the race relations we have made progress we have made a lot of progress have we made as much as we should have that's that's debatable um do we still have a long ways to go we do um but i also fear that that it, it will never end i don't think the race issue in america will ever be resolved no matter how far in the future we get i think it will always be there simply because the country that's how it was founded it was you it used racism and used prejudice and used these the right supremacy. It used those things to found itself. It's so it's so it's so deep and so ingrained into the fabric of this country. I don't think it will ever, ever be able to be totally eradicated. I mean, once something is, you know, I can make a, a, a chocolate cake and I can put strawberry icing oh, on yeah. it. But it's still a chocolate cake mm-hmm. because it. All that chocolate I put into it when I made the cake, it's always, I can put sprinkles on it. I can put vanilla frosting. I can put whatever I want on the house of it, but it's always going to be a chocolate cake unless I start from scratch. And that's not going to happen. We're not tearing this country up and starting from scratch. So I think the, the whole race thing will always be there, unfortunately. I think it will, hopefully it will continue to be to a lesser degree and to a better degree. But I think it will be there for good, for bad, 
for indifferent is who we are, and I don't think we're ever going to lose it. I hope we do. I hope that there's a big, significant change. I hope I'm wrong, but you guys know I'm never wrong. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Right, because Dino's never wrong. I think think there's a possibility that that we can get beyond this at a certain level, but should we? You know, I think we shouldn't forget where we come from and we shouldn't forget the struggles that our forefathers, you know, went through. So we shouldn't lose our identity. But at the same time, we also need to realize that we are all one. Mm -hmm. We all need to get together at some level. We have to get beyond our nationalities, get beyond our genders, get beyond all of these other stipulations that that put us into certain categories. And this is like, we have to see ourselves as people, as human beings and and we're we're all we have left, you know, once we're gone, that's it. So, you know, make the best of it, you know, and uh, always remember, where you came from yeah because yeah because i mean race is so on a on a genetic level on a biological level it's so insignificant mm-hmm. you know the di- the difference between one race and the other if if at all yeah you know right. there there are literally scientists who argue and say that that race is not even a scientific thing it's mm-hmm. purely uh a, a, a social construct mm-hmm. you know right. it, it doesn't even exist on a on a biological level because the differences are so insignificant right you know yeah the reason i mean i, I love that point dina and, and, and it is a form of narcissism to a certain degree mm-hmm. that we do keep it so prevalent in, in, yes. in our in our lives you know it's just like it, you know it is about like it's about me 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 you know we don't want to forget who we are and what we come from but at the same right. time like we do have to move at a certain point we have to progress beyond yes. where we came from yes you know? yeah. you know? I was one thing in my life experience I, like everybody, I would have biases. I would look at people and mm-hmm. judge them. I am always surprised when I move past those biases to get to know the people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Always. Mm-hmm. So that's always, that's what we have to do as Americans. Mm-hmm. Because once you should sit there and talk to your talk worst to your enemy, your yeah. worst stereotype, <laughs> you can be surprised. Right. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is make assumptions about your neighbor and you'd be surprised. And how many times do you hear this is when you hear someone talk, that you talk to finally that you have, you have never talked to and say, oh man, I just thought you were stuck up yep. and I just thought you were this and yep. I just thought you were that and I yep. love you now. Like I think you're yep. the best and blah, blah, blah. And it's all about, mm-hmm. we all have so mm-hmm. much more in common than we think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. so you know, true. Just talk to your neighbor, even though, even the neighbor with the fucking Confederate flag on the lawn. Yeah. Talk to that motherfucker. <laughs> Trust me. Please at, at talk some to point, him. <laughs> have a long talk. Have a that long talk. Have have a a peek in the window too. But honestly, the, the neighbors who you think are, are are you know are bad or whatever, like sometimes you'd be surprised, like how much more you have in common than you have. Yeah. Yes. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. All right. So thank you guys for checking yes. in with us. Another episode of the Shizney Show that brings it to a close. Oh, and I just want to say, just to reiterate for everybody out there, please, please, please make sure when. It comes out. Go see when Jack became black. It will change your life. It'll change your perception of everything. It's a great documentary. It's very, very well put together, and you guys will enjoy it wholeheartedly. I promise you. That's right. And while we're plugging, uh, um, Tony, your show is Street Outlaws on Discovery Network, and I just looked it up, and it's on like four times a day. So <laughs> pick and choose. What? Pick and choose your times. It's, it's it's good old boys racing their cars, drag racing for money. So I love it. If you're into that kind of stuff, monster cars and the guys building their own thing and drag racing, there you go. I'm there for that, too. Check it out. There you go. So for Tony Santiago, Eli Steele, Dejan Monique. Yes, yes. Dino Reyes and holla at your boy. See ya. From all of our crew to listeners like you, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Shiznit. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. Check out our website, theshiznitshow.com, or hit us up on Facebook under The Shiznit. 
Follow us on Twitter at The Shiznit Show. Write to us at theshiznitshow at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail and make it sexy at 424-261-4878. This has been The Shiznit. You're listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network.